it is Wednesday, so you guys know what that means. Another edition of the Buffalo Blitz right here on the Built in Buffalo Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter network. Hopefully, everyone's enjoying their Wednesday night, and hopefully you guys can spend the next hour with us. Make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and wherever you get your Built in Buffalo content, as well as our podcast. This turns into a podcast tomorrow morning on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. So you guys, if you missed the show, all that fun stuff, you're driving to work, whatever you guys are doing, if you want to listen to podcast form, you guys can do that on our podcast network. Also, make sure you follow me on Twitter at DBICPeter on Twitter. We'll be breaking out, breaking down the Bills' victory over the Kansas City Chiefs, as well as kind of looking around the AFC, AFC East. We're not going to be previewing uh, the Packers game because that will be next week's show because obviously we got a nice, uh, well-deserved bye and this little break for about a week. And then, yeah, next week will be Packers week. But today, Chiefs game, a little bit of the AFC East, a little bit of the AFC. And we cannot do that. Without our two guests, so let's bring them on, Luca and Josh from the Bills Chat Podcast, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. How are we doing tonight, guys? Doing well. Thanks for having us on, Peter. Yeah, no, appreciate you having us here. Of course. So, sort of, Luca, where can where can you find your personal Twitter? Where you can find your podcast, your podcast Twitter, all that fun stuff. So as you can see right here, uh, podcast first and foremost at Bill's Chat Pod. We are a Twitter-driven uh, podcast. We love interacting with people on Twitter. Josh is primarily the guy, just a heads up here, that runs that account. My personal account is at LucaM6. Uh, if you want a lot of Sabres and Liverpool in addition to that uh, Bill stuff, follow me. But at Bill's Chat Pod, primarily, you'll get a lot of interaction and all that Bill's content you're looking for. Yeah, you can follow me at Josh McCarty 28, but I'll echo what Lucas said. A lot of what we do is on that Bill's chat pod Twitter. So if you want to get a hold of us, that is the best place to do so. Also, where does when does your podcast come out? So to everyone that subscribes to the uh, Built in Buffalo podcast network can. So we record we record Sunday nights and it comes out first thing Monday morning. So the time slot we're in has really put us in a post game scenario for a lot of these games, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so you guys, make sure you guys check them out. Make sure you check out everything Built in Buffalo uh, podcast-wise. As always, a quick shout-out to our sponsor for, sponsor. for the best pizza in Buffalo, it's got to be Picasso's every night. It's pizza night. We'll do our Picasso's play of the game halfway through the show, as always. But shout-out to Picasso's. Guys, comment section is open um, throughout the night. Kim's coming in. Victory week, baby. Linda, thank you. Thank you for saying we're great. Appreciate it. So, guys, comment section is open. You can ask whatever you guys want. We'll answer it, all that fun stuff throughout the night. So, we're going to start with, and I always start my shows, obviously the Bills defeated the Chiefs 24-20. to We're going to start with some of the good from the Chiefs game. Luca, I'm going to go to you first. Give me one thing that stood out for you that you loved about the game. Just holding the Kansas City Chiefs to 20 points. I mean, that's first and foremost. You know, we kind of talked a little bit on our podcast, but I'd love to say it here, too. Like, Everyone gives the accolades to the quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff, but holding Mahomes in this offense that has been shredding people to 20 points, especially, you know, late when they really needed something and they just couldn't make anything happen. Just, it really impressed me. It just, it kind of made you feel as good as you wanted to be after the game, just because the defense stepped up when we really needed them at the end and just made things happen. Yeah, we can go up there. Yeah, 20 points to the Chiefs. Josh, what do you think of the 20 points to the Chiefs? Because I thought if you told me before the game that the Bills were going to let up 20 points to one of the best or 
I, I think it was statistically the best offense going into the game, I would be like, eh, we'll win the game. And I think the Chiefs would say the same thing if they only let up 24 points. So what are your thoughts on the defense? Oh, 100%. So I think a lot of us are going to remember the Josh Allen hurdle and the touchdown pass to Dawson yeah. Knox. But when Luca and I went live this past week on our postgame show, the very first thing I told him was we have an elite defense. An elite defense is not about leading the league in yards or leading the league in total points or turnovers, because a lot of that can be a result of who you played throughout the season. The Bills last year played the Texans, played Washington, played the Jets twice. Yeah. Elite defense is when situations happen like Sunday, where you're at Arrowhead, you're playing against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. On the first drive, your offense turns the ball over. You have a dropped touchdown pass on fourth down. There was ample opportunity in that game for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to get a big lead on the Bills, take control of that game, and really put that game away early. And the Bills' defense kept them in the game and ultimately allowed them to come back and win it. Yeah, the Bills' defense, something like you said, like the defense I loved from uh, the game was the secondary in the sense of the two rookie corners. We're talking about Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford. And you can say whatever you want to say about uh, PFF. You can say you hate them. You can say you love them. It doesn't matter to me. But And I put out a tweet. I put the Bills grades from PFF. And my tweet got 309 likes. Never did a tweet before like that, which was awesome. But Elam was great as the second best Bills defender, 75.5, right behind Von Miller, who was the number one defender, according to PFF. And Benford was the fifth best defender. And you're talking about two... Rookie corners, one a day three pick, obviously one a first round pick. But you're talking about two rookie corners going up against one of the best offenses in the league. And I think they did their job. And you also have Dane Jackson. You have Trey White coming back. And I feel like going into the season, we were like with Trey White with uncertainty, we were, we were afraid. And I, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for you two, but I'm speaking for myself here that I was a little concerned about the secondary, obviously not the safeties, but the corners. And the fact that Elam and Benford have been, and Benford come back from an injury so fast, but Elam being. So good back there. So with Benford that I think it's a, a sign of relief. And it's also like the Bills have more reinforcements coming. They have one of the best corners in the back, the cornerbacks in the league coming. So with how good Elam and Benford have played, and obviously you have rookie mistakes. Elam kind of got beat against Pittsburgh a little, but he had that great interception against Kansas City. He had a great interception against Pittsburgh. You're going to have that as rookies, but having Trey White come back and having how good and uh, sustainable Dane Jackson's been back there, and then the secondary is primed for just, just it it can't get it can keep getting better it's not going to get worse how good the secondary is but one of the things to love about this team in the offseason and luke and i talked about it at nauseum was yes we know the stars we know josh allen von miller stefan diggs but brandon bean has done such a fantastic job of building this roster so deep to the point where on final roster cutdown day there's a segment of bills fans that are sweating over who the fifth running back is going to be and that's a good spot to be in and this depth has been tested early against high-level quarterbacks, Matt Stafford, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. And like you said, we had two rookie cornerbacks out there who have more than held their own. And I think not only with the Bills getting a lot of wins in the win column, but with those guys getting experience, it has allowed them the opportunity to kind of slow play Trey White coming back. He doesn't have to come back and get a full workload. You can ramp him up and really make sure he's playing his best ball come December and January. Yeah, Luca. What do you thought? What are your thoughts on the the second yeah, no, I mean, Elam and Benford? Yeah. So I was. It's amazing. I'm with you 100 when you said you know a little bit of a worry going into it, or at least going into training camp. Yeah. But as the reports kept coming out, and you see this Benford guy just blowing up, and everyone just keeps raving about him. It wasn't anything against Elam. We talked about it how it's like almost you might have found this gem, and let's see what we got in this day three guy, and he just kept 
proving to the coaching staff and everyone time and time again that he is ready for this next step in the NFL. And then right out the gate Thursday night, you know, everyone's watching against the Rams, for example, like he just he was the preferred guy in the first drive. Obviously, they rotated, but he was the one that started the entire season at the secondary alongside Dave Jackson and throughout this whole situation. And he comes back in this game, for instance, with a broken hand. And he is one of the key guys in the last defensive play of that game against Kansas city and just understood his assignment, understood his zone where he needed to be, when to pass off MVS and then take over someone else coming into his area that allowed Taron Johnson to be that big time player. We know and step up and get the game ceiling interception. It's, it's moments like that, that, yeah, I'm with you. Like once Trey White comes back and once this secondary gets you know back to health, it's just it's all up. It's all going to be great and it's it's amazing. It's it's a testament also to the scouting staff just finding these guys when you need them both immediately and then the future. Kyer Elam and Christian Benford again are rookies, so they're going to be here for the foreseeable future and it's it's awesome. It's fantastic. It's it's a boost to a whole that was really the only kind of question mark we had for this championship level team going into the season. It's great. Great sitting here at Dubai, not being worried about that one bit. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And then like when eventually Dane Jackson becomes a free agent, like I'm not saying we're going to like, I'm not going to get on that road, but like, Oh, we can let him go, but it obviously becomes expendable and you can use your money elsewhere when you have two corners that you love on rookie contracts. Um, Robert's coming in, sing the shout song live, Robert. I'm just, we're just not going to do that. I don't think you want us to do that. Appreciate with the comment. I'm good, Robert. Thanks. I'm going to pass on that. Linda's coming in. Thank you for giving us the Buffalo Bills news. Linda, this is, I don't, I usually don't break the news. It's built on Buffalo Facebook with all their news. It's their Twitter account. It's their Instagram. So everything built on Buffalo, all social media. You guys want to follow for up to date. Uh, Buffalo Bills news, great content, great merch, all that, all that jazz. Dave is coming to Let's Go Boys. If it wasn't for Dave Myers, the founder of Built on Buffalo, the reason we're all here with all the uh, background, all the edits, all that stuff. All the merch you guys are going to eventually purchase with all your hard worked money, hard earned money. Yeah. So Dave Myers, appreciate it. Um, Justin's coming in. I, I want to talk about this because this is something that the Bills uh, have done for, I think, a couple years under McDermott. It's the Frazier's bend, don't break defense works well for us. It does. And I, I think it's a good scheme. It's just when we're watching, as I, this is what I take away. When I'm watching as a fan, I'm sitting on my couch, I'm watching the game, right? And I see the bend, don't break defense. It's so painful to watch. Like it's a painful defense to watch because you're just you're giving up yards, you're giving up stuff like you're giving up yards, you're giving up chunk plays, all that stuff. You're not giving up the massive play that's going to beat you, minus the Juju Smith Schuster, where three three players forgot who it was maybe Demar Hamlin, Taron Johnson, and someone else forgot how to tackle for about half a second. Mm-hmm. But the chunk plays are are driving me a little nuts. I wouldn't say they're I'm not certain chunk plays. I'm assuming the, the bend or break defense drives me a little nuts, but Give up twenty points to the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I look. You know what? They're not. They're not playing the game for me. They're not playing. They're, so I'm okay watching the game. They're playing the game to win the game. And at the end of the day, that's all you care about. What do you guys thoughts on? Start with you, Luca. What are your thoughts? Yeah. On that? No, I, I would love to step in on that because my philosophy or my idea on Ben don't break defense because that is a league wide trend right now. You hear a lot of national media talking about that, and a lot of the top defenses are all kind of under that philosophy. And the reason is plain and simple, like just allow offenses to just take what you give them unless they force the issue. And then once you have the end zone to your back and it really limits what they can do, 
and you do start squeezing them from there, you can take away points off the board. That's the point of it. Like it's frustrating. I, I'm with you. You know, when one missed tackle happens in that four yard, five yard out turns into 15 yards and it's the fresh set of downs and all that situation occurs. It's frustrating. I mean, it, it aggravates you. You don't want to see that happen. But again, when the end zone's at your back eventually, which will happen in these style defenses, that's when you can really be opportunistic and either stop them and at, you know, at worst, hold them to a field goal. Hopefully, obviously the touchdown occasionally is going to happen if a guy like Andy Reid or some, you know, someone devises a play that's just too good for anything they see in the red zone. Yeah. But touchdowns are down this year, people like in the entire league. And the reason for that is this exact philosophy and the bills do it so well. That's why they're so good as a unit defensively. They just know when the end zone's at their back, they're going to come up with something, whether it's just holding them to a field goal, if not creating a turnover or holding them to downs. It's a, it's frustrating. Again, I'll say it one more time, but it's a good thing. You don't want to be torched over top. You don't want to give up no, huge no. plays. Like that's, that's the thing that can lose you a game. Just giving up small plays here and there, allowing 13 play drives will not kill you because we, especially the Bills, have an offense that can create those massive plays out of absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. When even defenses think they got you, we're going to get them back. So I, I get it, but also at the same time, it's exactly what this team as a whole needs. And it, it fits perfectly. I mean, credit to Frazier. He figured it out defensively and he knows what he has on the other yeah. side of the ball that he just gets the best of what he can do. Josh, what are your thoughts on the Bendel break defense? So it's been their philosophy since Sean McDermott showed up in 2017. And honestly, it was their philosophy through a lot of drought years. The thing about bend that don't bend and don't break is you need an offense that complements that. When Dick Duran in the mid 2000s is running bend and don't break, but Trent Edwards is scoring 10 points a game, you're watching your defense out there for 40 minutes a game and you just want to stop watching this team play football. Yeah. What the Bills have built here is an elite offense that can get a lead. And then the idea behind bend don't break is you can have five, 10 yard plays here and there. We are betting that you are going to make a mistake because the only other team in the league that has a quarterback like our quarterback is the one we played this past Sunday. Everybody else is a mistake prone quarterback in this league. And we're betting you're going to make a mistake throwing into the teeth of our defense. And this year we ramped it up even more adding a high level pass rusher like a Von Miller to pair with an emerging star, in my opinion, Gregory Rousseau. So I think it fits perfectly. It reminds me a lot of those Colts, uh, the Peyton Manning Colts, where they'd get a lead and they'd have Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney rushing off the edge to close it. It can be frustrating in the second quarter, to your point, Peter, where Travis Kelsey's catching five-yard pass after five-yard pass. You just have to remind yourself, like, that is just a paper cut. What the Bills aren't giving up is the 80-yard bomb unless three guys are missing a tackle on Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, unless they're doing that, which was frustrating. <laughs> Obviously, guys, make sure you smash the like button. Buffalo coming in, smash that like as always. Um, Let's see. Dave said we need to see more of the Bills chat. I don't know what he's hinting. Maybe he might be hinting at something. Maybe a potential live show down the road for uh, Bills chat. We can talk about that behind closed Sign doors. Me up. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Let's see what else we got, guys. Keep the comments coming as always. We just had 80 people in here watching. Awesome. Keep it up, guys. Um, I wouldn't say you can't even tell Hyde's missing because I think that doesn't do – I'm not going to – I don't think that does justice to how good Micah Hyde is. I think that's a little unfair to say to Micah Hyde, but I think DeMar Hamlin has done a great job. And I also think 
the Bills and especially McDermott and Frazier have one specialty or their main, their if you had to say, what's their main specialty? Like those guys, like what do they scheme the best? And that's the secondary play and how they put guys in the right position uh, to win. Um, that's how Benford and Elam have developed really nicely. And Dane Jackson, an undrafted, uh, was he undrafted or seventh round pick? Seventh round pick. Seventh round pick. Yep. Seventh round pick. Um, Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace got a second contract as an undrafted because of how good McDermott uh, put him in this system, and he hasn't been that good this year. So it might be McDermott. Um, but yeah, I think Demar Hamlin has done a, a serviceable job. I think he's done a, a, a maybe better than serviceable. But I, w- I wouldn't say. I think Micah Hyde would be. I, I would take Micah Hyde back in about ten seconds. Oh, 100%. So it's kind of two separate conversations, right? Like Micah yeah. Hyde is a very high-end, elite-level, all-pro yeah. safety. Second, I'm going to warn... second-team all-pro last year, or was that two years ago? He Was was he second-team last year? Yeah, because after the interception against the yeah. Patriots, yeah. you had Isaiah McKenzie mic'd up making fun of him for only being second-team. Yes. I'll warn everybody in chat, the biggest Micah Hyde fan in the world is my podcast partner, Luca. So any Micah Hyde <laughs> slander will not be tolerated by I him. I love Micah Hyde. He's awesome. <laughs> oh. Um, but to your point, Peter, the biggest thing that you you mentioned, though, is McDermott and Frazier's track record with maximizing the ability of their defensive backs. So, no, DeMar Hamlin is not Micah Hyde. That is way too much to ask. You do not replace a Micah Hyde. But with their track record with guys you mentioned, like Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, what you're seeing with Hamlin, with Benford, you feel good about the fact that these guys are going to get the most out of the guys that are now into that starting position to where, while it's not necessarily going to be, hey, we have an all pro here, we're not going to have that being a glaring weakness on the team. And so far, we have seen that where DeMar Hamlin has more than held his own outside of that juju missed tackle. Yeah, and even on that point, too, I'll I'll like everyone wants to see maybe a change, maybe a move, trade, free agent, whatever's out there to see if we can improve that slot potentially. And I like the idea, but also DeMar Hamlin hasn't shown anything to me that makes it, you know, where it's absolutely a necessity. And it's it's a secondary, as you pointed out, is exactly what I want. Frazier and McDermott to just coach up and keep doing what they can do because maybe those resources you would have to make a move for that are needed elsewhere potentially down the road I don't know it's just something to say like where DeMar Hamlin being starting right now for the foreseeable future at least obviously the rest of the season barring anything going on it's not a place where I'm overly concerned he's doing his job this is his first opportunity in this you know, in the NFL to actually make an impact of any variety. And he's, he seems to be doing a fair job. I I don't see a problem with him. It's to that, to that comments credit. You can't tell Hyde is missing. I think to the, you know, Lamai, you want Hyde out there because Hyde is actually going to step up and probably make those all pro plays that you expect from him. Whereas Hamlin might not right now, but who says that those opportunities can't come down the road as he gets more comfortable and more coaching and everything like that happens come December time, come January, maybe he does make a great break on the play and you forget that he was a backup his entire career all of a sudden, because that's when you realize the impact of this coaching staff with a young moldable secondary player. It's it's, this coaching staff is someone I trust with anyone in the secondary to the point where you had guys like Kevin King on the free agent market that I would love to see what they could do just because it's like they have been able to do anything with anyone, whatever. That's why, like, that's how much I trust this coaching staff. I'm not saying we go out and sign Kevin King. Yeah, I'm just so tired of hearing about Kevin King. I just want the bills to sign him so I can stop hearing about him. No, I'm not saying this people. I'm just saying like the reason I backed that up with, I wanted him like mm-hmm. off season, right. Was because I trust this coaching staff with anyone in the secondary. That's my point yeah. where he's a problem somewhere else. Maybe this coaching staff can get something out of him. I do that with DeMar Hamlin. I don't think 
getting someone else in that spot is really a necessity because then again, 23 is going to be back in 23 as we all saw. So it's not that big of a deal anyways, because we're going to see Hyde back in a Bills uniform next season. So Hamlin is going to do a great job, I would imagine, throughout this year and hopefully help this defense get where we want to go. Yeah, the Bills can win a Super Bowl with DeMar Hamlin as your safety because I think it also helps that Jordan Poyer's here. I think we saw in the Miami game, I, I was actually at the Pittsburgh game, but but Pittsburgh was so horrendous that it didn't matter that Jordan Poyer didn't play. But I think we saw in the Miami game, Jordan Poyer not being there affects. So if I think if Jordan Poyer went down for uh, a significant time period, not a game, like a month or two, whatever it is, I think that's when you would see maybe you'd be like, you know what, we miss Mike Hyde. But then we also be like, we miss Jordan Poyer. So I think having Poyer back there, having a veteran guy back there, and then eventually having Trey White back there will help the whole secondary come together. But I thought DeMar Hamlin has been very good. He was second on the team in tackles uh, on Sunday against the Chiefs behind only Tremaine Evans. He had seven solo tackles. So shout out to DeMar Hamlin. Besides that horrible missed tackle against Juju, which we're all always going to go back to. And obviously, rightfully so. It was a bad play. Um, but I guess he made up for it throughout the game. Before we get to anything anything else you guys want to touch on that you loved from the game, because obviously we don't have to preview the Packers game, so I want to usually don't stick this long on the game, but anything else you guys noticed that you like really liked that maybe not maybe that surprised you or something like that? Is it bad that we have a 250-pound quarterback who hurdles people and it doesn't surprise any of us anymore? Because I feel like we're almost <laughs> taking it for granted. Um, because <laughs> It's gotten to the point now where Josh Allen makes these superhuman plays and it's, I don't even look at him like, wow, how did you do that? I turn on another team playing against another team and I'm like, wow, your guys' quarterbacks stink. They can't it's jump boring. over It makes it boring. Other yes. football is boring. I also think when I think like, I saw a couple of people tweet like Josh Allen has ruined uh, football for mm-hmm. me. And I was like, kind of thinking about that. I was like, one, we kind of sound spoiled. And two, we deserve to sound spoiled because we sucked and stunk and did whatever that for. I was, I was, I, I didn't see, I didn't see the Bills make the playoffs. I say this every time I go on a show when I'm a new guest. I didn't see the Bills make the playoffs until I was 16 years old. So my whole childhood, the Bills never made the playoffs. I was born in, I was, in, I'm a 2001 baby, so I didn't see it. And so I'm used to being bad and all that fun stuff. I'm used to going to school, and my friends are Steelers fans, Giants fans, Patriots fans, and they're winning Super Bowls, being a competent team. Minus the Jets fans. Um, and then <laughs> and then you got now we got Josh Allen. And you know what? I've and everybody on Twitter is like, you know what? I'm gonna just talk about Josh Allen, how good he is. And we deserve to talk about how good Josh Allen. Like the Jets do right now. They're four and two. The Jets fans have every right to go say we're four and two. They might not, they're not that I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're even a like a above average team, but they're four and two. So with the Giants are five and one. Talk or whatever. You're five and one. We're five and one with an amazing quarterback. And it also is funny that. He hurdles people, and yeah, you're right. Nobody, we're so used to it. Like I was like, I was in, I was in shock when he did it against Kansas City. But I was like, oh yeah, he's, he's done that. Like it's probably four times, but it feels like it's been ten times. But he's a he's a he's a robot. Like he's, I think he's a psychopath. Because I don't know if you guys remember this a couple weeks ago when he says like he smiles and laughs when people hit him. Like, yeah, that's creepy. It's a good creepy because like it's he's playing football, but like who the heck? gets whacked by a DN and like gets up and laughs at the guy. Like yeah, his big thing when he first came what? in the league is he would tell people that he needed to take one shot yes, early yes, just yep. to get in the game. Which I we don't mean, like as fans. <laughs> absolutely not. Like I, I'm ready for Josh Allen not to run as much in the regular season. Although some of these big games that you want to get to the win column, um, certainly like against the Chiefs and the Ravens, you're okay with it. I didn't mean to derail your question. I think the last thing that I would say I love from yeah. the Chiefs game 
is no, no, stud- no, I don't, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Where okay. <laughs> the studs played like studs. Stefan Diggs had 148 yards. Yes. Gabriel Davis found the end zone. Josh Allen, you know, dominated an offensive display for the Bills, ended up leading the comeback. Dawson Knox gets in the end zone. Von Miller, two sacks, and then the pressure on the last interception. Even saw the first round pick rookie cornerback get an interception in the end zone. The guys that you have isolated as the key players on this team came up with big plays in this game. And that includes mm-hmm. the two linebackers, Edmonds and Milano, who I think have been kind of a mixed bag of reviews among, among fans for this team. I think they're they're both collectively playing by far their best seasons as pros so far. Before Luke, before you go, I know you said you're a huge Micah Hyde guy. I'm the biggest Tremaine Edmonds guy ever. Nice. Um, so I'm a, I'm a Virginia mm-hmm. Tech fan. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Team. So it. that might be a little biased because you went to Virginia Tech. Yep. Um, but I'm a, and if you come at me with Tremaine, I'm not saying you guys are going to do this, but if somebody like Twitter comes out with Tremaine Edmonds, hit, hate all that stuff, just because he's not a Hall of Famer right now, it doesn't mean he's not a really good linebacker. So I'm a huge Tremaine Edmonds guy, but keep going. Yeah, no, this, we're with this guy down below here has been pumping Tremaine Edmonds tires yes, for yes, forever. I, like I'll defend him until like, where until I'm at. Retired. Where I'm at with Micah Hyde, he is with Tremaine Edmonds. Yes. Like is he's a big, big Edmonds guy. He is telling me all the time, no matter what Milano's situation is up and down, it is Edmonds, and then we'll see what Milano's situation is, contract, whatever it is, future outlook. It's like Edmonds first. Edmonds has to be it has to be on this team long term. Yeah, exactly. I, I respect yeah. it. I'm, I'm I think with- when people say like Tremaine Edmonds, like they don't want him here, like then who the heck are you replacing him with? Like Agreed. how many six five middle linebackers? that are that good at tackling, that good in space. And I get it. Like, he has had some mistakes. He's been raw. But he's also 24. He's the same age as Kenny Pickett, and he's in his fifth year in the NFL. So, like, he was 19 when he started, and he was given the keys to play middle linebacker for the Bills. Like, that's a tough – that's a tough task. It's like a rookie – it's like a rookie quarterback coming in. You're like, yeah, here you go. Have fun. And that's, like, what happened to Tremaine Edmonds. And people are like, yeah, oh, it's just like, not that easy to replace him. Like, who the heck are you replacing him with? Like, is there another Tremaine Edmonds coming in the draft? I don't think so. He's like, do we want to drop a ton of money on another middle? Like, people like, don't understand how good he is. And, like, I get it. He has made some missed tackles, hasn't made the splash plays. But I think the improvement of the run defense this year up the middle with Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, okay. Phillips, and Oliver yes. and have shown, like, yeah, maybe when we actually have legit D tackles that stop the run, Tremaine Edmonds doesn't have to take a running back head on with without the running back getting touched. Right. I think the issue people have with Tremaine Edmonds is he's 6'5", he's 250 pounds, and you're just thinking about these old school 1990s linebackers yes, who just yes. blow up running yep. plays. You think and he's Lawrence ta- Taylor. Right, and when they tackle you, there's that highlight reel hit, and they've taken that hit out of the NFL. That is not what makes Tremaine Edmonds special. He's good in the running game, and this by far this year has been his best year in the running game when you see the guys like Daquan Jones and Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips in front of him along with Ed Oliver. But what makes Tremaine Edmonds special is his length, his size and his coverage ability. And yeah, he doesn't make a lot of interceptions, but what he does is he takes away a lot of passing lanes over the middle that makes quarterbacks second guess what they're seeing, get them to their second or third read. And then by the time that happens, the pass rush is getting home. And I think maybe the conversation is how valuable is an off ball linebacker. And sometimes people are like, ah, it's not really a, a primary position in the Sean McDermott defense off ball linebacker, particularly middle is very important. Go back to Luke Keekley in Carolina. Tremaine Edmonds is going to get paid by this team. I fully believe that they trade up to get him in the 18 draft. They love everything about him. They almost instantaneously made him a captain, even when he was 20 years old. So he's going to be here for the long term. And he's showing this year just how valuable he can be in the right setting. Yeah, I, I I don't need like I said, biggest fan right below me. I don't need yeah. to say anything more to that. It's 
I he has convinced me not that I ever hated Tremaine Evans. I just want to point that out real quick. But he has convinced me that he is going to be a staple of this defense for a decade. We're in, as you said, year five right now with Tremaine Edmonds. And it's like, yeah, why, why athletic talent like his does not grow on trees. You cannot get yeah. those intangibles of his freak nature. I'm and over sure. time, everything's going to work out in his brain. He's going to figure things out. The game will slow down for him where you will see that just naturally grow and develop over time. As you pointed out, Kenny Pickett, rookie this year, same age as a guy with all of those years in the NFL under his belt at middle linebacker it's gonna it's just gonna flourish so yeah he's absolutely worth every penny hendon hooker the quarterback for tennessee same age as (laughs) tremaine Edmonds, right balling in college but he's the same age like tremaine Edmonds. let's all yeah we don't have to get connected up with this for hours (laughs) but yeah bill guys keep the comments coming questions all that fun stuff um rafael's coming in how about that last ball going to Knox out of all players look i'm gonna start with you obviously it was awesome going to Dawson Knox, obviously what he's gone through in the off season. And he, Sean McDermott even said he battled mental health. Obviously you guys don't know. He lost his younger brother, Luke Knox in the off season. It was right around, I think it was right, right, right around preseason. Cause I remember there was a preseason game. They honored him and obviously he caught the game, which was yes, the eventual game winning touchdown. But the thoughts in that play, Luke, what are you just thoughts on that whole play? Dawson Knox catching the ball, all that stuff. Yeah. The, the play itself and it going to Knox was just, kind of perfect it was it was picture perfect it's you know motion picture it's everything you see in movies being that it's knocks on the receiving end but what i feel like kind of gets forgotten and i don't think it actually gets forgotten but kind of just overlooked because knox is the one coming down with it is just how incredible that throw is the the window that Allen needed to put that in for it to get to knox or just basically not be catchable other than knox is like there's a safety squatted right in between it so he has to throw it with incredible velocity above that player but yet still have it come down into Mm -hmm. knox's basket just out of this world uh there was someone i was listening to on monday that was was dan orlowski because he's maybe it might have been sims he called it a pit i think dan orlowski called it a pit missile yeah that term i i've been i love piss missile uh no but (laughs) it was either him or sims and they were talking about that and you know there were a couple other throws that a lot of you know national media have been highlighting and i i think i want to say it was sims because sims was like look all those throws were great and there's a lot of freak throws the one to gabe davis i believe it was you know the start the two minute drill at the end of half all those things this throw right here the game winning touchdown throw that throw is just so underappreciated because of you need to get up and down so quick with also a ton of speed so that it's only Knox coming down with it. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And of course it's Knox. Of course. You also have like, to put it in a spot where, like you said, Knox, it's either Knox catching the ball and the ball is in the ground. There's exactly there's right. no and if an, there's, and like the one with to Davis out of the own end zone. Yeah. It's also a great throw. Great but throw. Yeah, also Knox catching the game winning touchdown, which was awesome. And also with a minute and four seconds left, I didn't react. I just was like, okay. Cause I was scared. You know what? Um, because I've seen, I've seen the story written before. I I just didn't want to celebrate. And then I went absolutely buck wild when Taron Johnson made that play. But Josh, what are your thoughts on that? That throw to Dawson. Well, I think that's one of the benefits of having a Stefan Diggs is in that situation, the team is absolutely going to do everything they can to not let Stefan Diggs be the one to beat them. And he was drawing coverage. Knox even brought this up after the game. And that's where you need a Knox or a Gabe Davis, one of your secondary high level playmakers to make a play or obviously Isaiah McKenzie, who was having a really rough afternoon. And then Knox one on one in that situation, making a play 
is just an example. Obviously, the Bills haven't had a big season so far out of Knox. There's been an injury. There's obviously been the personal situation. Um, I think that was good for him, not only for that that moment that's way bigger than football, but maybe to kind of get him going this season and become yeah. hopefully that third target in the passing game because I think he's capable of doing that. Yeah, and we also gave him a contract extension, so we don't have to worry about that. But he, he's expected to perform, and he's expected. I don't. He's expected to get eighty-five yards a game. I think it's more of like the forty to fifty with the touchdown, something mm-hmm. like that. Which I, don't, I forgot what he what he ended up with. He had three for thirty-seven and a touchdown. That's like I would probably probably want maybe fifteen more yards, maybe four for fifty and a touchdown. But three for thirty-seven and a touchdown is fine. And like you said, like having another receiver outside of Diggs. Um, is massive. Like you, you can see some teams in the NFL that have elite receivers that don't have that number two struggle, like the Raiders with Devontae Adams. Like he's had a great year, but they don't have that number two because teams key in on Devontae. They like, you know what? Devontae will get his 85, but if nobody else does anything, that's a wasted 85 yards and a touchdown. Who cares? Like it's seven points, right? But because the Bills have Gabe Davis and the murders of Gabe Davis when he's healthy, you have Knox and then hopefully Shakir or McKenzie, we can do a slash next to them. But yeah, Knox catching the ball was something special. And I think Dave's coming in here. I did not know this. The pass completion rate was under 20% based on Allen's pocket position and the distance between Knox was to the side. Wow, that is some NFL next-gen stats stuff. That is some complicated nah, it's, it's like this is so do we think dave is sitting there calculating that like with his little cal- with his calculator his computer or is he looking at next gen stats because i want to i want to envision that dave is like sitting there like taking the angle of the throw and coming up with the scientific terminology to figure out like what the actual percentage is people that watch football like in the 80s and 90s just this just goes over their head real quick they're like he was open he threw the ball touchdown okay that's it there's no it's not complicated but no yeah. it's it's funny. I love all, I love sometimes I love the analytics. I like like PFF because I like like and all twenty two. I like going back and watching stuff and like reading stuff. And then eventually like you read a weird thing, and then you're just like, okay, this makes no sense. Like, what is this analytics? When somebody says like, oh, like I don't know, like, you know, like PFF comes out yeah. with stupid graphics, and I love PFF, but like you're just like, okay, who came up with this? Like you really looked at this and like this is what I wanted to post. So yeah, Dave's probably typing there with his <laughs> computer and doing that. Super chat alert! Super chat alert, guys. As always, super chats are a thing. If you want to send a super chat, um, that's awesome. Uh, Dominic, yo yo, what's up, Bills Mafia? Glad to be here this week celebrating the victory. We drove the ball with ease most of the game. We actually left two touchdowns on the field. We'll get to that in a second. Actually, that's kind of where I go next here. Uh, and the one Josh missed to Diggs in the corner. I actually don't even remember that one. Um. Dominic, thank you for the 1999 super chat. I never know where the money goes, but I appreciate the 1999 dollars to support Built in Buffalo and everything we do, guys. As always, super chat is an option. If you guys want to do that, you make your, you can send us some money. You can send us whatever you want, and you get your nice thing, little bright and orange or green or whatever you want. Um, so appreciate it. So we'll we'll keep the super chat up because I know it covers Josh's face. Just a <laughs> you're not missing much. <laughs> I just realized that if you want to see the top half of Josh's face. Um, so we'll take it down once it winds out. But, Luke, I'll start with you. The two touchdowns, and this is actually we're going to next time with the bad from the game, some of the things we didn't love. Um, so like the two touchdowns that the Bills left on the board, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it happens. It, yeah. it sucks. Yeah. In a big game like this where there's a lot on the line, even though it's still a week six regular season game, of course, everyone understands the implications between a Mahomes, Allen, Kansas City, Bills game. 
it stinks to leave points on the board like that. You know, the McKenzie drop or stutter, whatever you want to call it. When that Tripped one happened, his feet, whatever you want over to, his feet yeah, because yeah. the ball was a little behind him. Who knows if that's where it needed to be? All these different things, right? McKenzie had an off day. Points are left off the board. You got to do what you got to do. Those moments stink. But ultimately, so again, it kind of ties. I know this offense can just click and make things happen at any point in time. It makes but, you so greedy. You're greedy. Right. It, it's, it's, it's like, yes, it always sucks to not finish a drive and a touchdown, but it does happen in the NFL once in a while. Like if we have the offense that I have no doubts about, for instance, the Pittsburgh game, it's third and long on your, in your own end zone. And then bang, you just hit 98 yards. Like it's nothing. Cause this team has those big play capabilities at any point in time, yes. Kansas city is a different beast, but it can always happen because we have 17, 14, 13, every, all these weapons on this team, McKenzie can, McKenzie can afford to have an off day. I don't know a lot of teams that can afford to have a receiver just completely that they are depending on in three receiver sets all the time that can just have an off day and the offense almost looks like it's not having an issue whatsoever. As this comment points out, drive the ball with ease. I don't know if I would go that far, but it did feel like they were driving the ball comfortably the entire game. They're moving the ball down the field. Yeah, the opening drive, you drive down and it's just an unfortunate fumble just because McKenzie's not looking at the option pitch that that issue comes up and you know, you're like, dang, then Kansas city drives down and we get the turnover. It's still a zero zero game. And I was confident enough that that offense was just going to go right back down the field because we just watched it 15, 20 minutes prior to that. So it, yes, points off the board always sucks, but it's not, it's not like you're going to end in a touchdown every game, every drive of every game. It's just, that's not real. And sometimes mistakes or, you know, just off days or whatever happens. Yeah. It just is what it is. Josh, what are your thoughts? So I think not only with the Kansas City game, but with several of the Bills wins this year, it's kind of been a coach's dream because you get the win, but you also have talking points where you can still be on your players afterward. Think about the Rams game. Some of the really bad turnovers they had in that game. James Cook fumbling on his first carry. Baltimore, think of all of the mistakes that happened in the first half that made you feel like the bills were about to get run out of that building. And then to Dominic's point, thanks again for the super chat. Thanks for supporting build built in Buffalo. Dominic, we really appreciate it. Um, the, the missed opportunities in this game. And yeah, you, you need to see Isaiah McKenzie come down with that ball. You need to see whatever went wrong on that lateral play. We don't know whose fault it was. Um, we have a theory. Maybe McKenzie should have been looking for the ball, but uh, we don't know for sure. Whatever happened there, that those are valuable points. The bills cost themselves. And it goes to, to the point of the defense can keep them in games, but you certainly want to clean that up. So by the time the money games roll around in January and then hopefully February, that stuff is cleaned up and the Bills aren't shooting themselves in the foot and they're playing to the level that we know they can. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I appreciate the uh, multiple double super chat, 1999 and down. And I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Dominic, um, you always coming in with rolling around in cash, I guess, because every week you're sending me double digit super chat. So I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you supporting my show and built in Buffalo. But yeah, I think like, like I think the red zone issues have been kind of annoying, just a tad annoying. This we're picking, we're nitpicking here because the Bills average like I don't know, I think it's thirty somewhere in the thirties points per game. So I think any other team would take that in a heartbeat because it's first or second in the NFL. But I think there's there's opportunity for the Bills to be even better offensively, and which is a good thing because we're incredible offensively, and if we can be better. That'd be awesome. Like the Steelers game uh, um, two weeks ago, that after they're up seven nothing, and then they had that nice run by Singletary, and then it was called back for a holding, and then they just couldn't 
get on sync and then they got their field goal blocked in the red zone or obviously it was after, it was out of the red zone but they were in the red zone and they got pushed back because of a penalty like against a good team you want to execute there it didn't matter against the Steelers obviously but you don't want to keep teams in games like you don't want to keep some bad teams in games and I thought from the beginning of the Steelers game I was like okay I was, I was standing next to my girlfriend watching the game at the game I was like I was like, okay, we just, we, I'm not saying we kept them in the game, but you want to put these type of teams away early. You're at 14 nothing right away against a rookie quarterback in Buffalo. The game's over. They, like, the game is over. And it was like 7 nothing. You're like, oh, okay. Obviously, we steamrolled them. Against like, the Chiefs, the McKenzie play, the fumble. That, I think the Bills sometimes, I think this, I haven't seen this as much as they used to do it. They get a little cute sometimes. In the red zone, they get a little like, you know what? Let's let's kind of disguise it, like line up McKenzie in the backfield and do a toss to him. Like, I don't think you have to be cute. How good this offense is with the weapons. Look, you don't have to be uh, bland and vanilla and just run the same type of scheme and offensive sets over and over. Confuse the defense a little, but I wouldn't go away from your bread and butter. Butter, I think. Um, like Dave was talking about, and it's another comment, Mr. Adidas uh, petition Edwards. Big name there as well. Talked about, I think, Devin Singletary. I think they went away from Devin Singletary. And look, I get it. We're never going to have, and he had 17 carries, which is a ton for, I think, this Bills type of uh, running game. We're never going to have a running back that's going to have multiple 20, 25 carries. That's stupid. You're taking the ball away from arguably the best quarterback in the National Football League. Why would you ever want to do that? But I think Singletary, you had a nice run, get in the red zone. I would go back to him. It was the, it was the McKenzie one. It was, we ran in on first down, or I, I think we, we either ran in on first down or ran into the red zone. And then, no, I think we ran in on first down, had a good chunk of plays, and then they just went away from it. Three straight passes, and it ended up being a turnover on downs. Why not go back to Singletary? I'm not saying you don't have to not pass the ball, but if Singletary's hot, go to him. And I think the Bills did a great job of that in the first half. And then, obviously, the game kind of flipped. The Bills need offense, all that stuff. But I think sometimes, I don't know if you guys agree with this, red zone, you get a, t- a tad too cute. Like the against Pittsburgh, the Quentin Morris one. I think the play worked because he was in the end zone, but mm-hmm. he fumbled. But maybe we don't have to put Quentin Morris in that situation. You know what I mean? Like that's not his normal position. Just give it to Devin Singletary, run it up the middle. Josh Allen, QB sneak, pass to whatever. Something like that. I think the Bills sometimes get a tad too cute on offense. Luca, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I agree with you for the most part. I think this is just a kind of a symptom of uh, offensive coordinator kind of getting his feet wet and trying to really figure things out on the fly. This yeah. is kind of the week now where he can look back, reflect on everything that's happened through six weeks, what's worked, what's not worked, where can we improve self-scout, right? Self-scouting should happen a lot on your bye week. And this is one where I think that's going to be happening on the offensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. especially in the red zone and seeing where all these flaws have occurred. I'm I'm with you on the McKenzie situation. So as Josh kind of alluded to earlier, we had this a little bit of a theory that it's a run option and you basically you don't take your eyes off the ball if you're that lead back until you see that quarterback or whoever's the you know up back keep the cut ball. it up field. Yeah. And McKenzie clearly takes his eyes off. Like that happened. Everyone saw it. If you have a singletary there, for instance, and mm-hmm. you don't overthink that and you just have your halfback being a cook. I think a cook right. would have been there perfectly. A halfback is trained to always pay attention to the ball because yeah. even in pass pro or whatever, they need to sniff that ball out. If it's ever on the ground, whatever the situation is. So they're always in charge of just keeping their eye on it. Make sure their quarterback and that ball are both safe. That is their job on any option play pass pro anything where they don't just already have the ball. So <laughs> it's, it's an interesting situation where I'm agreeing with you in the sense of they are getting cute, but I don't think it's like aggressive where they need to change a lot. I just think no. it takes a lot of self-reflection. Just figure out what, you know, maybe you went over the line with the cuteness, we'll call it. But just 
figure it out and just tighten it up. And the nice part is it's an early buy. It's weird because normally you don't like early buys, but this is a good time to self. I feel like we need a buy. I yeah, thought exactly. to get healthy and self scout all those little fine tuned things. Look, we're five and one, and we, we are toughest part of our schedule, right? Toughest part of our schedule. And we probably, if you had to give this team an overall grade, you know, just performance wise to where you think they should be, it's probably like a BB plus. Really? And that's incredible because now you have a buy and you can go on a run with an easier schedule to really figure things out now and get on a roll when those games, as Josh loves to point out, in January and hopefully February really matter everything is on the line because of course we know the expectations of this team so that's where it needs to be and this is a great opportunity for dorsey and this offense to kind of self-scout and figure it out so if you want to spin it into a positive just look at the fact that they're five and one they're scoring almost 30 points every game and they've left as sean mcdermott likes to say a lot of meat on the bone you mentioned the quentin morris fumble on the one yard line the mckenzie drop in the end zone think back to the interception where levi wallace intercepts it if josh allen just puts another yard of air under that ball gabe davis is going to catch it over levi wallace's head so this team has been great and there's still so much more for them to accomplish just with the little mistakes and i want to go back to one quick thing dave said about the pulling plays on Devin Singletary, I fully support that. I think we've learned over the last two years, Devin Singletary thrives in more of a pin-pull offense. We saw that down the stretch last year, and they've gone more to a zone concept early in the year, and then in the last couple of games, particularly in the Chiefs game, they went back to pulling, and we see Singletary just have so much more success. I'm curious to see after the bye when they self-scout, like Lucas said, if they go to more of that pin-pull as they go on with the season with Devin Singletary, who I assume is going to continue to get the lion's share of the carries. Yeah, I agree. Saquon for Zach Moss and a fourth. Um, I would do it. Uh, the Giants wouldn't do it. Um, if I'm the Giants, one, I'm five and one. So that would be stupid. Uh, I don't think they could win a Super Bowl or anything, but you're five and one. You don't just like throw that away the first year under Dable. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm all I'm all for making. Um, I'm not for necessarily pushing the chips all in, and I don't know. You know, I'm not gonna. That's say not pushing like, the chips all in. No, all. That's, that's doing like giving that's them like a bag adding a little sweetener. Yeah, yeah, like adding a little sweetener to your coffee. Like that's what I think the Bills have the appetite for this year. Is what what player can we add who isn't necessarily going to put us over the top, but it could just enhance what we already have. Extra Saquon or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Saquon was a great idea three weeks ago, but unfortunately for us, it sounds like fortunately for Costa, who we know as a Giants fan, they have done nothing but win games <laughs> yes. ever since. So they probably don't have the appetite to trade their best player at this point, which doesn't work out too well for the Bills. But yeah, McCaffrey, I think absolutely should be a conversation. Unless yeah, and. Costa's a Giants fan, and Costa, you really want Zach Moss in a fourth round? I, I'm detecting You're the, a little bit of uh, sarcasm. sarcasm here. Yeah, I'm, probably, <laughs> I'm gonna go and say that too. But I like to put, yeah. put comment. You said it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up. And people say like, I want CMC. I, I'm I'm on board for CMC. But somebody was like, I saw on Twitter, would you give up two first, a 2023, 2024 for CMC? I'm like, no. Because you're just gutting. You're gutting. And CMC, mm-hmm. I don't even know if the Bills can restructure his contract enough to keep him next year. Like, is that even a feasible thing for uh, the Bills? The so, way I've seen the contract is it's really going to be a one-year rental where you get him for the rest of the year. He, yeah. he gets you and over probably would be because he's a free agent yeah. at the end of the year. So you wouldn't yeah. even have to worry about restructuring. And then you get him out. And then, so no, that's certainly not two first. I wouldn't send one first. I'd barely send a second. If you want to get yeah. it down to a third, I'm listening. Yes, I would exactly. Luca, Luca, what are your thoughts? We're gonna we're going OBJ quickly oh. because yes. we got about like 12, 12, 15 minutes left in the show. And guys, keep your comments coming. I'm on board on the OBJ OBJ trade. Oh. If he's the problem is he's not coming back till December. 
That's the problem. But I'm on board with the OBJ train. Yeah, uh, we're not signing OBJ because we need him in, you know, late October, November time. We need him in January time. I am one million percent on the OBJ train to Buffalo. It's I don't I understand where people might just not like him as a player for whatever reason. They have personal reasons. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, everyone's entitled to their opinion. The, re- the reality is he adds such a nice dynamic third weapon to this offense where Shakir and McKenzie can give you those flash plays and do their thing, but they're not OBJ. They're not Odell Beckham Jr. All right. And yeah, I, I believe Josh knows this. He would become one of the exclusive Luca owns two jerseys of one player. If, cause I own an Odell giants Jersey. I won't, okay. I just love the player. He's yeah. so fun to watch He's having incredible. him as a bill. With Josh Allen in this offense, oh my goodness! One year rental because the, yeah. if, oh. if he say comes December for whatever, right? December end of November, right? Has a great stretch. The Bills have a great postseason. They win the Super Bowl, right? Everything goes the way he wants. The Bills are not going to be able to afford no. Odell Beckham Jr. Nope. long term. But that's not the point of this contract. He's coming into play, small contract. You would think he would take a small contract if he wants a ton of money. Then there's nothing we can do about it because the Bills don't have. 12 million dollars in cap space i think we're at four or five million in cap space at this moment if he wants to come in take that and he wants the ball yeah we're good with that help win another super bowl that'd be awesome and then we'll wish you well because that's what it would be yeah it would be him for the end of the regular season postseason and then yeah yeah i mean and just kind of to finish that point too it's like we don't know where his mind is at i thought you brought up a great point if he's looking to cash in right now we just don't have the money but oh, if no, he's no. With, a lot of teams yeah. don't yeah exactly so but if he's willing to do a one-year rental deal why would you not come to this place why would you not already see what you saw this past sunday and just be like i can be another one of those pieces and do essentially what he already tried to do last year just hopefully not have that injury on the biggest stage to lead him into this situation because in reality that's what he was yeah that's what he was trying to do last year it really stinks you never want to see that happen especially for a guy's talent that is odell but here we go again like he can just kind of hop on the train get a ring look great in an awesome offense and then cash in next year when teams have available funds to pay an an elite talent like odell beckham jr yeah josh what are your thoughts on uh obj Oh, I'm with it. I, I want to see Odell Beckham come here. I do question whether he does want to come here. I, I get the feeling there's there's a theory out there that maybe his buddy Von Miller has helped driving a market up for him. So just, you know, put the bills at the table, at least in Von's words. So a team like the Rams, who it seems like Odell probably prefers to go back to, doesn't feel like they're bidding against themselves. There was a report last week that Odell wanted a Michael Gallup contract from the Rams. The bills yeah, certainly don't have the ability right now. The Rams don't either. I don't think. No. I don't know who does in, in October. And the bills certainly don't have the ability to take on any kind of long-term deal with Odell to Lucas point. It would be a come here, prove yourself, help us get over the top. And then next spring when free agency hits, hopefully you can get a big contract. If he's up for that, I'm totally up for it yes. because I feel like you could never have enough dynamite yeah. players. And I feel like this is not a hate towards McKenzie and Shakir. And I like McKenzie, but I think McKenzie might fit better in the gadget role. He might. And I'm not against, I, I think McKenzie had a bad game, and everybody's gonna have bad games once in a while. I'm not. I, I I'm a huge. I was a huge Isaiah McKenzie fan going into the year, and I think he still has a place on this team. And I think I like Shakir, but I think I like Shakir next year a little more than I like him this year. I think Shakir. Could, if we, the Bills don't get Odell, I'm not gonna be like pissed about. It. I'm not gonna be like if he goes one year, ten million somewhere. I'm gonna be like, well, we could even do that. So I'm not. I'm gonna not lose sleep over it. But I think if the Bills want to upgrade, and you want to get another 
elite receiver in this offense that is healthy. And we're going to, he has to be healthy. If he's not healthy, then I don't know what we can do about it. He never comes back this year. Then you kind of move on. But yeah, I think oh, any way you can prove this team without gutting the complete future of this team, you're on board. Our run game is fine. We just don't run the ball enough. Also, let's go Yankees. Let's go Yankees. As always, Yankees are, I think they're 1-1 right now against the Astros and the NLCS. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm from the, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you support baseball or watch baseball. I'm, I'm unfortunately an A's fan. We okay. Can just roll yeah, we'll that. move over. We'll move away from that. John? St. Louis Cardinals fan. Our, our playoffs lasted yeah. all of two games. That stuff. But yeah, the Yankees, I think they're 1-1 right now. Um, in the ALCS, so let's go Yankees. I can't stand the Astros, but I think the Astros. I'm, I'm going to be a Yankee fan. I have another podcast where we have a Twitter account. I picked the Astros to win in six. I think the Astros won over the Yankees, and I'm, I try not to be biased as not, <laughs> even though I'm not rooting for. I hope I'm wrong. I never. I, 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 I like to be right, but I hope I'm wrong. But I just the Astros have a number. But yeah, let's go Yankees. As always, appreciate another super chat. I think our run game is fine. Dominic is coming in with. He's dropping money here, dropping money left and right. That is how we do it. I just completely forgot that we had a Picasso's player of the game. I forgot we're supposed to do that. And I had other things to talk about, but I don't care because we broke down the Chiefs game. And this is good because I usually don't get to talk about the full game because I usually have the Sunday, the next game to look at. So I usually do half and half, 30 minutes of the game, 30 minutes of the next game. But I can't break down the Packers game until next week because then I got nothing to talk about for next week. But (laughs) so we're going to do, we're going to end the show and then maybe we'll talk about a little something else if we have enough time. We're going to do our Picasso's player of the game for the best pizza in Buffalo. It's got to be Picasso's every night is pizza night. Shout out to Picasso's, our sponsor of the show. Luca, I'm going to start with you, my man. Who is your Picasso's player of the game from the Bills victory over the Chiefs? Uh, the easiest answer is one, but I'm going to steer a little bit off of that and go with Von Miller. Uh, when you come up with basically some of the biggest plays of the game on defensive side of the ball against Patrick Mahomes, you deserve the player of the game award for me. I mean, two sacks. Um, and then obviously the key interception, he's the guy that kind of forces Mahomes to roll out and just unfortunately, well, fortunately for us, unfortunately for Mahomes, throw that interception. He's all part of that. He was in, integral in every big play on the defensive side of the ball, especially late. He's my player of the game. No questions asked. Josh, what do you got for your Picasso's player of the game? My Picasso's player of the game is probably going to be a little bit of a surprise because statistically this player didn't quite measure up with some of the other players you might be thinking of. But I mentioned earlier, some things are bigger than football. That moment in the end zone with Dawson Knox pointing to the sky after catching what ended up being the game winning touchdown, not even as a Bills fan, but as a human being that had to grab you and and in that moment know what Dawson Knox is probably feeling. Um, So for that, scoring the game winning touchdown is obviously no small feat. Um, you know, 37 yards through the air, not necessarily his best game as a pro, but for what that meant to him, what I hope that meant to his family in their healing process, um, Dawson Knox for sure gets my Picasso's player of the game. Both great answers. Dave's coming with uh, Stefan Diggs. Dave, you're that is my Picasso's player of the game. So my Picasso's player of the game for the Bills victory of the Chiefs is Stefan Diggs. Like Dave is saying in the comment section, he, he didn't have a great game against the Chiefs in the playoff game. And it was also because they were doubling him in, but Davis did his thing. And it, it, it didn't, that didn't hurt us at the end, obviously. But Diggs wanted to show that he's might be the best receiver in football. 10 catches, 148 yards, and a touchdown. Stefan Diggs was everywhere. They kept leaving him on one on one coverage on the outside. What are you doing? You can't, even Jalen Ramsey can't cover him one on one on the outside. So why let's have two young rookie corners? Who have not proven a lot. Guard him one on one outside. Nice job. Nice job, Chiefs. Um, 
But yeah, Stefan Diggs is my Picasso's player of the game. 10 catches, 148 yards, and a touchdown. He was dynamic. He was awesome. And he led the Bills with 10 catches. And the second most was Devin Singletary with four. So Stefan Diggs is that guy. And like people like to say, Stefan Diggs is him. So he is awesome. And that is my Picasso's player of the game. Before we wrap up here, um, David's coming in Milano. PFF does not agree with you, but Milano. <laughs> but I think the PFF thing with Milano, I think he struggled in the first half. But I think when they kind of – they put it – what did they put it? QB spy more of the second half kind oh, yeah. of. Mm-hmm. And he became – it's hard to guard Kelsey. He's the best tight end in football. He might yeah. be one of the best receiving tight ends ever. He might be the best yeah. tight end ever. I know yeah. people from oh, that watch sure. Shannon Sharp and Jordan Gonzalez might be like, hey, but Travis Kelsey might be the best tight end ever. That's a tough task to ask. But, um, yeah, I think Elam, right? Elam had some uh, big spots where he came through. I think Elam was very good. And I think he's developing nice – as a rookie, Luca, any last thoughts of the Bills over the Chiefs? It just felt good to win that game. Like it, Josh and I were kind of prepping in the episode where we talked about a little bit going into it, where it was, hey, remember, it's a week six game. You can't lose the season on this game. You know, where you mentally go, we want to win this, but just remember, it's a week, it's a regular season week week six game where you mentally prepare potentially for a loss. So to come out with a win now and just be sitting where we're at at the bye, which is probably exceeding most people's expectations where we would be in this position. Mm-hmm. It just feels so good on a bye week to just be like, yeah, we are the best team in the league. Even though there's even an undefeated team, I feel like majority of just football fans in general put us at the top. And now we kind of can really put the foot on the gas pedal and just get going with this season and try to really create momentum into January when the games actually matter for the entire season. Josh, what are your final thoughts of the Bills victory over the Chiefs? So I think there's probably some hesitation in the fan base because we've kind of seen this before, right? Like the Bills won in Kansas City last year and we all felt coming out of that game, oh, they're in the driver's seat for home field advantage and they wound up right back at Arrowhead in the playoffs because they proceeded to lose five out of their next eight games. I think this team is different. The mood on the sidelines is different. I know I saw Ed Oliver doing the tomahawk chop and that kind of is what it is. But thinking back to that game last year, that was a different team. It felt like they felt like they had really accomplished something. They were dancing. They were super excited. This time around, it felt very much like it's one game. We won. It was important because it was the next game. McDermott was clearly fired up. But I think think when you look at it, because it was like a tough game and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But when you look at last year and how it ended, unfortunately, with the 13 seconds, there's there's a lot of pain in there. But I think there's also a lot of lessons that this team has taken from that. They, they know that just because they won an arrowhead this past Sunday, nothing is guaranteed if they don't take care of business the rest of this very winnable schedule. They also know that beating Kansas City in the regular season does not mean anything come playoff time. We all hope that game is back in Buffalo, but this team seems to have learned from some of its mistakes, learned from lessons of the past, learned from, I don't know if they ever took the Chiefs for granted, but if you really think about it, the last three times the Bills have played the Chiefs, they've been the better team on the field. All three games have been in Arrowhead, and they're one of the more historic collapses away from having a three-game winning streak against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. This team does not fear the Chiefs. They can slow down the Chiefs, which we learned on Sunday, and I think they're probably going to have a better offensive output when these teams play again. So I feel really good about the Bills' chances of being the Chiefs. We all hope it's in Buffalo, but if for whatever reason they find their way back in Arrowhead in January, I'll be very confident going into that game. 
I agree. I think one of the final things I got to take away is like, I think the the missing piece for the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill is a huge factor because the Bills are going to let up yards, obviously Kelsey and every team's going to, but not having that dynamic guy on the outside where the Bills have to worry about fully. Look, look, I think Juju is a solid receiver. Obviously he made that great play, but the Bills had him wrapped up in that play. Um, he had, uh, he had five catches for 113 yards. 42 of that came on one play. So like he had a good game, but the Bills are, are totally fine with that. I think, not having Tyreek Hill is a huge factor for the Chiefs. I don't think it's a factor for them not to win the division or 12, 13, 11, whatever games they win. It's a factor for them to win the Super Bowl or potentially get past the Bills and whoever else is in the AFC at this point. I don't know because the AFC is a bunch of – the NFL is a bunch of mumble-jumble. It was like three teams that are like you think are good, and I don't even think the Eagles are great yet. Like I'm not even going to go there yet. And then a bunch of teams that are like 500 or a little bit above 500. But I think the Bills – Kind of like you said, Josh. They they don't fear the Chiefs. They res- obviously respect them, and they know what the Chiefs have done. They've won Super Bowls, gone to Super Bowls, beat them in the playoffs twice. So they respect the Chiefs one hundred percent. But I think the Bills think, and I think the general public thinks, the Bills can beat the Chiefs. I, I, I think, and I think the Chiefs can beat the Bills. I think it's such an even matchup. But when the Bills have such a good offense, such good weapons with Josh Allen and. Uh, digs and all that stuff i think it's tough to beat the bills and i think the, i agree with you i don't think this is last year's uh bills team i really don't i think this is a different team because i think they understand what went wrong last year and they understand that I'm not saying they have a small window but they have it this is a chance where you can win a super bowl and like von miller says don't blink so don't blink because von miller's coming after you the whole team's coming after you. i think this is a team that is legit and they're gonna I think I don't think we're gonna have that like let down against Green Bay or against the Jets or whatever. They're gonna lose games, obviously. It's the National Football League. Um I think they're gonna lose games. But I think the Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL. I think they kind of showed that they can beat the Chiefs, even though even though most people still like the Chiefs a ton. I still think just the Bills kind of proved once again that they can beat the Chiefs, but we do have that playoff still hanging overhead and that's until we get past that demon which we might not have to who says the chiefs play the bills who says the bills play the chiefs i don't know crazy stuff happens in the nfl the Bengals beat the chiefs to go to the super bowl last year like (laughs) stuff happens but yeah that's it for this show 24 20 buffalo bills luca i'm gonna start with you where can we find your personal twitter my man and bills chat podcast all that fun stuff so me personally at yeah. Luca M six, and then of course Bill Chat for all your Bills content with our podcast at Bills Chat Pod. We are Twitter driven. Come follow us and uh, see what we got to say about things. Josh, any last thoughts? Social media, all that fun stuff. Same exact spot as Luca as far as Bill's chat pod goes. Really appreciate you having us on this show. Definitely appreciate everybody in chat. You can message me on Twitter under my personal account, Josh McCarty28. Not as active over there as I am on Bill's chat pod, but look forward to interacting with anybody who reaches out. Yeah, guys, their podcast comes out Monday morning. So obviously this week there won't be a recap of a game because there's no game, but usually there's a recap of a game or if there's a Monday night, they'll preview it and all that stuff. So yeah, check out every, check out their podcast Monday mornings on Apple podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your built in Buffalo podcasts. There's a ton of networks. I'm not going to start listing networks off or uh, podcast platforms off. This comes out tomorrow morning um, on Apple podcast, Spotify, and obviously wherever you get your podcast. If you miss the show, you can rewatch it on Facebook. Shout out to Facebook, 60,000 followers on Facebook. My show last week, Went up to 10,000 or basically 10,000 views. 
uh, including rewatches, I signed off those 4,000 views. We had 80 people in here at once today, um, which is awesome. Uh, you listen to us three talk about the Bills, which is a dream come true, and it's fun. I appreciate the comment section, guys. Come back every Wednesday. Next Wednesday, we'll be back previewing. We'll do a full hour of just previewing the Packers game because there's nothing to recap. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter. right there. I always mess that up right there, wherever it is, right under uh, my face. As always, go Bills. And, guys, until next time, we'll be back next Wednesday. Follow Bill and Buffalo on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, as well as Instagram. And we'll see everyone next week. Go Bills. Go Bills.